0: Whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Good morning, everyone. It's great to see you all today. Oh, are we jacked about Thanksgiving? Oh, man. If you're a white meat person, put your hand up. Let me see you white meat people. There you are. All right. Okay. You you know, okay. How about dark meat? Yeah. yeah, yeah. There you go. Man, I'll tell you. How about um, uh, stuffing? Anybody else put chestnuts in their stuffing? Okay, we're not in Kansas anymore, Toto. <laughs> okay, but I'm excited about Thanksgiving. I have determined that I was not going to let this holiday go. I didn't care what, if the governor had said something. It, I didn't care who said it. Thanksgiving was going to happen in my, my house. And um, Sometimes you just got to make that determination. God showed us at Crosstown in a supernatural way Um, in 2019, that 2020 was going to be an engaged learning year. Um, And I think we become better learners uh, when we have crisis. I don't know about you, I was not good in school. I really stunk in school. Um, I'm the guy that never finished the paper. They asked for 10 pages, they got five pages. I never was ready for the exam. Um, I just never did, even today, even to this day, you know, they'll ask me, so what do you talk about on Sunday? I'm like, well, you know, um, you know, I'll probably know on Thursday, you know, and so it'll be on Thursday that I'll start writing things down and putting it in place. I tend to do better or perform better or learn better when I'm in crisis mode. It's something about our species that we just kind of really pay attention, especially the kind of change that goes deep into your life. You see, hard events for the Christian has layers. Uh, um, Events, there's the uh, circumstantial layer that events have in our lives. Okay, so you have the circumstantial layer and then you have what's called the discipling layer. Now most people get caught in the circumstantial layer. They never get below that. They just look at, oh, this stinks. Well, I can't believe I got to pay that. I can't believe I'm sick. I can't believe I've lost my job. I can't. And we get caught up into those, that layer of experience. But for the Christian, even bad things, even things that we've done wrong, we've messed up with, uh, can become another layer called the discipling layer. And God knows that we learn really well in a circumstance. Otherwise, if we're not learning, a tsunami is just a tsunami, an accident is just an accident, cancer is just cancer, divorce is just divorce, um, and a virus is just a virus. See, that's all the circumstantial description of the event. But for every one of us who call uh, Christ our Lord, that every circumstance of life, good or bad, has with it another layer for us. If we're willing to step into the engaged learner circle, we can experience this discipling layer in our lives. So we saw last week this woman at the well and how God drew her out of her well. She had this well from the patriarch Jacob and she was confident that she could always go to this well and and the well became kind of significant to her. If you remember in the story, it was like, wow, you know, a lot of things that you boast about, you know, you you wear a hat that says Clemson on it, or Patriots, or um, where you're from, what part of the region of the country, or what college you went to. But it's really interesting that in this story that her jersey or her hat had a picture of Jacob's well on it. That's where she got her significance from. And Jesus challenges her about her wells of confidence, her wells of significance, and talks about... Trying to give her, through the Spirit of God, to a learning moment, streams of living water that would flow out of her innermost being. She would not have to attach herself to a job, or to a people, or to a guy, or or to whatever in order to find significance, that those wells couldn't do the job. And we've learned that God is weaning us off a lot of wells, a lot of distractions, a lot of things that just occupy and preoccupy our minds that we get our confidence from. He's wanting to wean us for something more. We talked about weaning and how weaning is the removing of a source of fulfillment and satisfaction that is no longer sufficient to meet the real need and to replace it with something better. It it doesn't say, well, to wean us off of sin, though there are times when we, we have to go through that, but it's anything that God would have to wean us off of it because now what we're depending on isn't enough. It, you know, when I was younger um, and the guys I hung out with, it was like a, it was like a man fest. I mean, it was just, we, we, we you know, if we had an argument back in the, those days, we'd arm wrestle. I mean, it was just like arm wrestle, thumb fly, uh, fight, slap fight, remember that whole thing where you slap, all that, I mean, and you did that. And if I won an arm wrestling then I'd come home to Susan and I'm like, yeah, you know, uh, I beat the guys in arm wrestling, which was probably a lie, but I'd be like, yeah, and you know what? That would pump me up for a little while. You know, I'd go to the gym and, and maybe bench, you know, break the, um, break the 75-pound bench. And, um, and, and once I got back, they'd go home and I'd feel really tough and big for a while, for about a week or so, And because that would be a well. And when you're 28, maybe those wells are okay. But when you begin to get on in life and into marriage and into raising children and and into your career and then into this responsibility in the middle of a hurricane it's you're the dad now you're the you're the mom now you're responsible for the house you're responsible for the life moving forward you're resp- you know then all of a sudden you find out you know what I just can 't fix this by arm wrestling this dude i can 't just prove myself to my wife by coming back from the gym and said saying, I bench press 75 pounds, but we need more, and God knows that, and so sometimes he'll remove or challenge the thing that we've been drinking from. See, Paul knew that some of the things that he relied on had to go. He was boasting, he said, you know, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law, I'm blameless, I was a Pharisee, I mean, he's just going through all these things, none of which were sins. And he went through all these things that he was, circumcised the eighth day. I don't know why you would actually boast about that. But like I was saying, when you're a dude, you'll look for just about anything to boast about. And so he's going through all these things that he's boasting. And he said, but no matter what was gained to me, I even considered those things loss. So that I might know Christ. That I may grow in my relationship with him. And I think that's where we are in 2020. I think we kind of forgot, you know, we became Christian or Christianized, but we kind of forgot God or, or what, what kind of valuable resource God is or what kind of calling God has for our lives. And so he moves us into these places of engaged learning. And God always, always, always engages his children. It's the way. It's the way he does things. So, when we look at 2020, it hasn't been easy, and at times, for me, learning is like road rash. Uh, have you ever gotten road rash, you, maybe you tried to skateboard? I remember uh, the worst road rash I ever experienced was when I had, I got a motorcycle. And I, I wanted to impress the ladies with the motorcycle. And so, I got, had myself a motorcycle, and I was brand new to it. And, um, so I, I remember coming to a stoplight. Had this pretty girl on the back, and you know she thought I was cool. And I had the Sergio Valente jeans on and the Dingo boots. And it's just a pretty sight when you think it through, you know. And so I was just, I was just ready. And I come up to the light, and I'm like, oh crap, oh crap! I, I don't remember how to stop this. I don't know how to take it. And all of a sudden, I come up to like, and I'm laying there, and I, my knee's all bloody. She's getting up. And there's a cop car right next to me. And the window for the cop car, car goes. He looks at me and he says, you idiot. And i just like, and he was right. He knew I had more show than character. But it was, but I, I was bleeding all the way down my arm. And it was a, just one of those moments. You know, life provides road rash learning. There are times when your butt is being bounced off the asphalt so that you will learn something very important. So Jesus went from there and withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon, and that's outside the boundary of of Israel, so this is outside of their territory. And a Canaanite woman from the region came out and began to cry out, saying, "'Have mercy on me, Lord, Son of David!' My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. But he did not answer her a word. Ever been there before? I mean, you're in a situation. Have you been there at this time in our country when you're crying out to God to help you with a certain thing and you just don't get an answer? And I think we've always misinterpreted this moment. And I'll tell you what. What I go through, here's my check down that I always go through, is my reasoning is this. One, he really isn't there, and maybe for some of you that's still an option, that God's really not there. See, I cried out, he didn't do anything, he must not exist. Um, Maybe he didn't hear me for some reason. Uh, Maybe there's something between me and him that he doesn't hear me anymore, or he just doesn't hear me, or he doesn't care about me personally. That he does care about all the other wonderful people in church, but he just doesn't really care about me. I mean, I mean, how can God not care about this cruelly demon-possessed little girl? I mean, when you think about it, it's like, how can you not answer that, God? I mean, it doesn't just say she's demon-possessed. Wouldn't that have been enough? But it says she was cruelly demon-possessed. Well, God has got to be interested. God would jump up, you know, like Captain America, and immediately fix that thing for us. But it's like, no, God doesn't do anything. Jesus doesn't answer her a word. And what I've discovered in my own life and in this story is that sometimes the ask needs to go deeper than the need. See, all we see is the need. And we connect God to the need. But God's like, you know, this ask needs to go deeper. You know, you want me, you've got it at the circumstantial level. You want me to fix the situation. You want me to make your wife love you again. You you want me to get you a job. You want me to fix something. You want me to alter the circumstances. And God's like, no, I'm not going to answer that. Because I want you to go to the discipleship level. I want you to go beyond the circumstance. And so it's really interesting that God would allow a bad situation like this to remain just to get at the heart of a human. So when we evaluate what's important to God, and sometimes, you know, I try to figure out what's the most important thing to God. And you know, a preacher will usually give you five top things that are most important to God, three things that all begin with the letter P, and, and I mean, it's just we do all kinds of creative things with it. What I find out from this story is that the most important thing that, to heaven is the power of an engaged soul, a soul that is listening. I mean, look at David. The dude's a schmuck. I mean, he's got five wives. He was told not to multiply wives, and then he's not happy with his five wives, so he goes ahead and he looks over the, uh, you know, looks on into another man's house, and he sees this woman, and he, and, uh, he has a relationship with her, and uh, uh, then he has the husband killed, and, and you think, wow, this guy definitely can't, be doing one of the top five things that you should do in order to get the favor of God. It's like, no. The scripture says that David was a man after God's own heart. It's like, why? It's because God apparently, regardless of the circumstances, considers the discipleship learning level the greatest commodity a human can ever present to heaven. It's like, yeah, I'll let you walk through just about anything to get your heart to get you to that place where we can learn. And David was that kind of guy. God is not looking for perfection out of you. Forget that Bible Belt crap, okay? God's not asking you to give up smoking or give up drinking or, 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 or something that you think that this is the thing between you and God. It goes deeper than the circumstance of using um, a tobacco or food. Or It goes deeper into the heart. God, God wants to talk to you. He wants to get into who you are and, and, and get into a learning moment. And the disciples came in and they implored him saying send her away because she keeps shouting at us. The word in the original text for shouting is the Greek word, I couldn't believe it, that's spelled C-R-A-Z-O. This lady is wacko, she's crazy. You know, and she's lost her mind. Anybody here maybe kind of lost a little bit of your mind in 2020? Anybody go through a divorce and lose your mind? Everybody get fired and lose your mind? Everybody anybody look at a the results of an MRI and you lost your mind and you went a little crazy? You know? And we would think God has no time for crazy people. Lady, you're crazy. We got no t-. See that's what the disciples were communicating to us. Jesus, we ain't got time for this. This lady's bothering us. This lady's crazy. Know this is that when we start talking about engaged learning circles, that others will try to shut down your pursuit. Those, even the disciples were like, "You know, we're going to shut this lady down. Jesus, this is annoying. Not everyone values your journey. Not not everybody knows what you're going through. Nobody, Nobody else knows your pain. Nobody else knows your failure. Nobody else knows what you're wrestling with, your thoughts. Not everyone thinks you deserve an answer. You know, they probably looked at her. She's from Tyre and Sidon. She's a Canaanite woman. She doesn't deserve anything. What is she here for? And there are a lot of people that you'll go through life with that you may even live with that don't think you deserve an answer because of what you have done. And he answered and he said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and began to bow down before him saying, Lord, help me. See, he could have just healed the daughter, couldn't he have? I mean, wouldn't, isn't that the Jesus that we all would kind of define? Is that Jesus would, oh, wait a minute, there's a little girl with a demon? Oh, let's get right to it. Let's, let's fix the child. Jesus does nothing with the child. Because he knows that if he just fixes the child, he leaves the mother unchanged. See, we would think the circumstance needs to be corrected. If God is really there the atheistic rebellion against the existence of God. If God is really good and God is really there, then why is there evil? Well, this is the story. It's because it's only in moments of distress that the heart is exposed when we have an opportunity to decide to present our our souls to God in a learning moment. God could fix this. God could have made it so that she wasn't even demon possessed. I mean, we could question God all, all the way down the line. But yet, God doesn't do anything until he first engages this woman's heart, because that's the highest commodity of heaven, is when God gets your heart to a place of learning. And he answered and said to the woman, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now, this is where there's some serious road rash learning going on. Could you imagine if Twitter existed at this point? I mean, Jesus just, he doesn't even infer, he explicitly, yeah, I guess it is an inference, but he, he, he equates her to being a dog. Hashtag local preacher calls woman dog. I mean, they would cancel Jesus just like that. I mean, even just hearing the story, some of you, if you're hearing the story for the first time, you're like, wow, well, wait a minute, that's, that's not the baby Jesus in the manger that I just set up in my front yard. There's no way that's baby Jesus. He doesn't talk like that. But sure enough, Jesus uh, communicates to her something about being a dog. See, most of us at this point would have left the learning circle. Wouldn't you have? I mean, I'm open for you to say things to me, but the moment you actually put yourself, put something on me, in my heart, and you push too hard, screw you. Screw, who are you? Who are you to talk to me like, I got a, let me get this straight. So I got a demon-possessed daughter over here, and you're going to call me a friggin' dog? I know you're like, wow, this guy's language is really bad on a Sunday morning. Okay, but I I need to, you need to realize this is authentic learning moment. This is how you talk in your head. When you're deep, when you hurt, this is how you talk. So I'm just, I'm representing you today perfectly. Okay, so... I'm just representing, and but that's where we need to get. It's it's when we get to this place where we're challenged about what we think. Most of us want to preserve our dignity and still look, and oh, yeah, how do you do that? How do you be transformed by the renewing of your mind and still protect your dignity at the same time? You know, see, that's the American struggle with Christianity. It's like, I want heaven, sure, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, okay, I get that, but, I want my dignity too. I want to still have that. And it's like, well, I thought you said you wanted to be transformed. Well, your dignity might be the first thing that goes. But this woman stays in the circle. She doesn't run from it. See, the real question that Jesus is asking her is this. Can you expect more from God than you deserve? See, can you receive from God even though the natural system is leaning against you? Now, when I was looking at this story, and I'm just going to tell you this is how it happened. Uh, It was Thursday, and I was laying on my couch in my office because my back was bothering me, and I just was laying down, and I was like, God, I've done this story before. There's really nothing here. You know, it's kind of like, yeah, you know, try to turn it into a good story. It sounds like a bad story. I'm like, could you kind of give me some insight? Why the heck would you call her a dog? Well, what's what's that all about? And I really believe God really gave me the answer about this. See, he has a right to ask her this question about being a dog because the way she's approached him. See, remember, she's from outside the boundary of God, Tyre and Sidon. She's a Canaanite. They hate Jews. They're not a part of the promise of Jews. They're, they got nothing, to I mean, they're outside. It's kind of like being a New Yorker and you're from Boston. They're, they're outsiders, okay? We don't mingle with Yankee fans. We just don't go there, okay? There was a clear separation. But she calls out to Jesus this way. She calls out and she says, son of David. Um, this is gonna sound like a really weird example. But uh, I like being white, it's cool being white. Um, but I tell you what, when I see black guys meet like at Walmart or at, at a restaurant or on the street or whatever, you know, and they don't even know each other, there is, the, they'll like, yo, bro, you know, I don't even know if I did that right, but I mean, it's, it was my best. It was my best shot at it. Uh, i will be like, yeah, they'll give the, the nod. Yeah, it's the nod. And so they'll, they'll give the nod and they'll be, yo, bro. Yeah, yo, yeah, bro, what's up, bro? And they'd be like, wow, that's, that's really cool. Well, they have a right to that. Well, you got two black guys standing together, and then some white guy walks up, and, and then Nomi talks like this, but then tries his best, bro. Yo, bro, what's up? You know, and tries to, you know, and, and the black guys look at him like, what are you, what's up with that? Well, see, this woman does that. She's not culturally connected, she's not a part of the, the same group but she throws out a bro, yo bro, yo son of David. And Jesus is like, oh, that's the way we wanna play this. Okay, so you wanna approach me based upon historical right uh, according to ethnicity. Um, She's not a Jew, David nor the son of David are anything to her she's got no claim see but she tries to get jesus by putting jesus and uh, trying to step into the context of jesus see a lot of us are trying to get god by trying to be religious to try to say the right thing to try to be bible beltish you don't give up smoking Give up drinking. I'm not advocating smoking or drinking. I'm just saying that these are some of the things that we think that Christians, people who get God to heal their kids, got to do this stuff. We got to talk in the context of Jesus. And so Jesus is like, oh, okay, we want to do the Jewish thing? We can do the Jewish thing. But here's what he wants her to learn. Jesus wants to see if she knows that grace can be experienced in the context of her life. See that's what God wants you to discover is do you believe you can encounter God's grace in the context of your life, three times divorced, wrestle with a cocaine habit, look at way too much porn, bad language, bankrupt, whatever whatever your experience is you know I'm, I'm going to step out on a limb here and, and and don't hang me for don't hashtag me for this, but you know, I, I've wrestled with this whole idea of ch- transgender, and if I saw a transgender person and they came up to me and told me what their preferred pronoun was, I'd have to admit, about six months ago, I would have been like, dude, I'm going to call you what I want to call you, okay? I, 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 would, I would not go for it. Uh, but looking at this story, it's like... Um, could I give that person grace in the context of their story? Or would I have to make them Jewish? Would I have to make them Italian? Would I have to make them from Boston? Would I have to make them heterosexual? Would I, I mean, or would I create a boundary that, uh, no, 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 until the he realizes is a he instead of a she, I don't go over that boundary. Will Tyre and Sidon is on the other side of that boundary. It's outside the perimeter of, of normality or, or whatever the protocol was. Jesus put himself out there to find this woman. It's really incredible. If you look in the Gospel of Mark, the same story is read. And in the story it says, and Jesus traveled to this area, this region outside of Israel, and then when he got to the house, he told the owner of the house, do not let anybody know that I'm here. It's like, what the heck are you doing there? One single woman with a child that he has an interaction with. He makes the whole journey for this interaction. This is the only interaction that's recorded from his encounter in that region. It's the only story that the Holy Spirit deemed important enough to come from that region. So let me ask you the question again. Do you believe you can experience grace in the context of your life? I don't, I don't deserve a good marriage. I don't deserve a family. I don't deserve to get better. You know, and it's like, really? You think you're over a boundary that God can't cross? You think you're so far removed from, from grace that God can't go there? This story shows that God goes over the boundary. She thinks about his challenge and, and answers the question. See, this woman wants to learn. She says, yes, Lord, but even the dog's feed on the crumbs which fall from the master's table. This woman doesn't have a well dug by the patriarch Jacob. She doesn't have a t-shirt saying, I love the Messiah. This woman doesn't have a plot of land with Jewish history and inheritance. This woman doesn't come from a Bible Belt family. This woman didn't get raised in a Christian high school. But what she does have is a heart to learn even when the learning is hard. She is willing to press in hard after God. That's incredible. Can you see, the answer to the prayer would have, this whole thing would have not even happened. We wouldn't have even seen this displayed. The woman would have only thought, he's the son of David, he's nothing to me because I am nothing to David. Matter of fact, I'm an enemy of David, historically. But she steps in and now realizes that hey, I wanna talk to you no matter how far over the border your life is. I have never, well, let's see, I won't say never, I'll say maybe, maybe three times in the Bible I've heard Jesus say something like this before. Um, Matthew 15, 28 says this. Jesus said to her, a woman, your faith is great. Okay, I could have said, hey, you know, okay, now that's faith. Or, wow, you're sounding like you're Jewish, you know. It's like, okay, you get it. Jesus stops and tells this woman, your faith, ma'am, the the person I just said dog to, okay, it's great. It's great. I don't know know what you ever want to be affirmed by and what you want people to say about you. There is nothing greater that heaven can say about you than for the Son of God to stop and and have an interaction with a woman that everybody has dismissed, whose life is over the border, over the limits of orthodoxy, unacceptable to society, an enemy against God, and then after a learning circle moment, turns around and says, wow, like he said to the Roman centurion, that's the only other one I remember. In all of Israel, I have not found such faith. Wow, that's incredible. See, that's what learning moments do. you know, I, I've been in a couple of those learning circles, and, and they're not easy. They're road rash. Um, but the idea of having God say that your faith is, is great, that's, that's kind of an amazing thing. Um, I, and I'm just going to get personal here. I don't consider myself a very um, faith guy. I, I doubt God all the time. If I was a Bible character, I'd be Gideon. I mean, it's kind of like I, I question God all the time, and I've wrestled with science and all that stuff. So, you know, if if, if uh, you want prayer for healing, I'd I point you to Mr. Ben. Uh, he thinks God's going to heal you, okay, and because he's got faith. And so last year when I hurt my back and and screwed up all the disc in my back and and then all of a sudden sports disappeared for me and kayaking and all the other stuff. And, and the pain was excruciating. And, and I can remember walking around my neighborhood because that's all I could do and dealing with depression. And thought I'd, I'd be better off dead. And the medication was screwing up with my head and all this other stuff. And, and it was like, and after dropping numerous F-bombs towards God in heaven, you know, because it's like, I'm not going to hide it. I mean, if he knows I'm thinking it. I mean, I might, as well just, I might as well just do it, so I, so I mean, I'm just talking to God and, and and here I am a year later, and a year later, um, I feel totally changed. I can't really do it. I feel totally changed. And what I really feel like God has been saying to me is, "Son, you really did a great job. I'm like, what? Well, I, well, I bombed you a couple times. Oh, I heard that, but you know. It's like, yeah, but my back's not healed. Yeah, I know, but you did a great job. You still preached. You still stood there. You still wrestled with it. You still, you cried to me. You're, it's like, go. You know, so now if you tell me, and I mean this God's honest truth before God, if God gave me a choice, whether or not I could hear him voice say, well done, good and faithful servant, or hey, Paul, you're 35 again, your back's brand new, Go enjoy some sports. Um, man, God calling your faith great? Okay, maybe three people in the Bible ever heard that. And one of them was a lady who was over the boundary. That's amazing to me. That's an amazing story to me. See, faith is not being Jewish. Paul discovered that. Faith is not owning a patriarchal well. The woman at the well learned that. See, and, and I don't understand faith. And I, I, Hebrews talks about what faith is, the essence of things not seen, the evidence of things that are. And, and it's like, it sounds like somebody smoking some weed wrote that. Okay, I'm just being honest with you. It's like, what the heck was that? The evidence of things. It's kind of like, I, I know it's, the truth is there. I'm just not getting at Jesus. But Paul's statement and I kind of rewrote it a little bit. Faith is deciding to count whatever things that were gained to me as loss for the sake of engaging Christ to know God more. See, the moment you dare to step into an engaged learning circle with God in a crisis, that's faith. That's faith. And, and, and it's not only faith. It's the greatest commodity in heaven. When all of a sudden, remember when Moses is walking through the desert and he's got the sheep and all that stuff and the burning bush occurs? God says nothing. But all of a sudden, as he's walking past the burning bush, Moses said to himself, I will now turn aside and see this thing, this bush that does not burn, and he takes a step towards. As soon as he takes that step there, not this step here, but as soon as he looks at it and takes a step towards finding out about the bush, then the voice of God spoke from out of the bush and said, Moses. See, the greatest thing that we can offer God is a heart that's willing to learn even in a road rash moment. That's where, that's, that's the most important thing to God about life. Tsunamis, yeah. Earthquakes, okay. You know, your next job, yeah, yeah, it concerns you, so it concerns him. But what he really wants, you know, he wants your heart. Yeah, but I failed five times. You know, so did David. Yeah, but I murdered somebody. Mm, So did David. Yeah, but uh, I'm a lousy father. So was David. So what do you want? A broken and contrite heart, I will not despise, says the Lord. A broken and a contrite heart, I will not despise. It's like that's the most valuable thing a human being can offer to God. It's what God wants most out of life. And I don't want you to miss, I wanna give Jesus some kudos here because I don't want you to miss that his daughter got healed. Because just like crumbs that fall from the master's table, so blessings flow from our engagements with God. Others are blessed by our pursuit of God. See, the girl gets healed not because she's a little girl. The girl gets healed because woman, you were willing to talk this out. You were willing to walk through, get into the circle with me and engage some learning and discover that I'm here for you, not just the Jews, that I'm concerned about your life. And because of her engagement, her family was blessed. Husbands, you know, you've screwed up maybe, and you know, all I know is about how husbands screw up. So, um, So you screwed up, and it's like, You want God to fix your marriage? Um, Don't be praying that God will help your wife forget or help your wife to forgive you. No, step into a learning circle with God and then let that trickle down and heal your marriage. Let it heal your family. See, when we rob ourselves of a learning moment with God, we are robbing other people of the healing that God wants to give them because he wanted it to come through. God does not want to fix planet Earth and leave humans the same. God does not want to fix America and leave us the same. He's not interested in that. He's interested. He will, he will, I don't want to scare anybody, but he would waste the United States to get our hearts to be engaged. He would. God doesn't salute the flag. God's not committed to America. God wants America to step into an engaged learning cycle. And that's how America will get healed. Is when you and I, not the liberals, not the crazy Nazi people, it's like when the people of God turn from their sin, call out to God, seek his face, enter into an engaged learning cycle with God, then it trickles down and it heals their land. So as we're heading into this moment of thanksgiving, you really need to see that this woman was physically outside the promises of God. She was from a nation that was perennial enemies of God. But why travel there, Jesus? Why cross the border? Why do more than you have to, Jesus? Why leave your messianic region? You know, the the good people of Israel. Why leave there? Where are you going? Even the disciples echoed it. Hey, this crazy lady, you know, get her away from us. And Jesus is like, I crossed over the border to find the crazies. I crossed over the border to find the people that have lost their sexual identity. I've crossed over the border for the guy that's been through three marriages. I'm crossing over the border with the person who struggles with depression. I'm stepping over the border with that guy that wrestles with pornography. I'm walking over the border to to find the lost. And you may not know it, but God has cross the border of time and space to speak to you and me today if you're waiting for the crowd to love you remember the disciples did not appreciate the moment and most people are not going to appreciate your moment they're not going to appreciate your pain they're not going to appreciate your story they're not going to appreciate why you did what you did maybe you don't even know why you did what you did but Jesus crosses over the border to go get you a beautiful little parable that Jesus gives us, it's about the shepherd who leaves the 99 to get the one. This story takes that metaphor and turns it into a life transformation experience. While we were yet sinners, Christ crossed the border of life to death to life again so that we would have new life. So. Maybe your job hasn't worked out. Maybe you're concerned about some things with the virus. Maybe you're not sure about America. Maybe you're not sure about your marriage. But you can give thanks this week because God knows the context of your life. He knows knows how crazy you are. He knows how wet you are. And when everybody else sends you away, you know, God's like, oh, no, we're going, we're going after her. That's amazing. And I don't care what else we get right. But on Thanksgiving, you know, as long as the turkey's good, and that thought is in my head, this will be a great Thanksgiving. You may think you're beyond the borders of God, and God has crossed over to get you. You know, if you're around people that don't believe in you or don't believe you can be recovered, you deserve an answer or a second or third or fourth chance, I recommend you get away from them. I really do. And shout after God. Shout after God. Well, yeah, but I'm going to look crazy. That's okay. Many a saint has lost their dignity in the pursuit of holiness, in the pursuit of heaven. And God stands here today ready to give it to each and every one of us. Heavenly Father, as we enter into this moment with you God, we are not where you are. You are where we are. We didn't earn our way to this moment, but you crossed the boundaries of time and space so that you could speak into our hearts. You are here Emmanuel, you're here with us. Religion says I have to get there with you. But grace says, I stand at the door and I knock. And I hope you open it up. Because I'd like to enter in and have supper with you. That you may learn of me. God, you don't care what our pronoun is. You don't care what our past is. You don't care that I was a perennial enemy of God and the people of God. For once I was lost, now I'm found. Once I was blind, but now I see, and I am seen by you. Oh God, it doesn't get better than that. Father, as we take communion, Lord God, let us remember in that broken body, in that blood that was poured out that it was you crossing the boundary for us to come get us and today we receive that to ourselves maybe there's somebody that would line up at our car and call us a son of a gun or whatever they want to call us and maybe there's a thousand people that say we don't deserve it but there is one who sits upon the throne, who has declared that we are forgiven through the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, who is dead and is now alive, and has sent us His Holy Spirit, that we may have new life. New life is better than dignity and a good back and being Jewish any day. We thank you for that. Let me invite you into this moment with God.